So we are continuing our eight-week series called The Road to Recovery, focusing on the freedom Jesus offers to every person from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And the heart behind doing this series for eight weeks is to really launch the vision for what Celebrate Recovery is. This is a ministry that we launched almost a month and a half ago to our community where people can come to Lifeway every Thursday night. Six o'clock is a dinner by donation. We start the evening with fellowship. Anyone can come and we have amazing food every Thursday night. We even have local businesses who are sponsoring meals because they've caught the heart of Celebrate Recovery. We have people from out of state clear across the country that have called and said, hey, we want to give towards Celebrate Recovery because we see the heart and we see what God is doing there and we wanna support it. Even though we can't be a part of it in person, we wanna financially support what God is doing. And so we just wanted to bring this incredible ministry before you so that you will know why we're doing this. Is it just the recovery ministry? No. It is a discipleship ministry where we are introducing people to the healer, Jehovah Rapha is the healer, he is the deliverer, and there is no disease, there is no addiction, there is no hurt, habit, or hang up that he cannot lead you into complete freedom from. Nothing is impossible with our God. It's who he is, and so, yeah, you can clap for that. He doesn't change, his nature does not change. He is good, he is a loving father. So the theme verse for this, by the way, today's um, message is called Maintaining Momentum. The theme verse, Isaiah 57, verses 18 and 19. This is the Father speaking. Even though I have seen their ways, I will heal them. Aren't you thankful for that? Even though I have seen your ways, I will heal them. It kind of partners with 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, exactly what Jane just said. I will guide them forward and repay them with comfort, giving mourners the language of praise. I offer peace to those who are far from me, and I offer peace to those who are near, and I will heal their deepest wounds, says Yahweh. Amen? So recovery, if we had break that word down into eight letters, the acronym recovery, we take each step based off of each letter of the word recovery. So seven weeks ago, step one, calling it the reality step, realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. We always preface this by saying, this is before Christ. Before Jesus, my life is unmanageable, and I am powerless to control my desire to do the wrong thing. Step two is the hope step. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. I am powerless, but Jesus is the power to help me recover and find freedom. Step three, the commitment step. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Step four, the house cleaning step. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Step five, the transformation step. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. 
And step six, this was last week, evaluate all my relationships. This was the hard one, at least for me it was. Offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others except when to do so would harm them or others. So we're focusing in on these eight steps to recovery. Each step based off of scripture. It is truth. It is pulled right from the Bible. So today, our focus is we're going to talk about how we continue to walk in freedom, how we continue to maintain our recovery and not relapse. So I have a story to tell you. There's this girl. She's married to a really awesome dude, and they had a fight last night, and she picked a hill to die on that never needed to be a hill in the first place. Yes, I'm talking about myself and my husband. And it was 11.30 when we finally stopped the argument on a Saturday night. Anybody else ever have that happen to you? And I realized that it was my fault. I picked the fight. And what I was thinking about this morning, because I have apologized, we have made amends. But what I was thinking about just now, because we're talking about relapse, what could very easily happen to us in our marriage is if I didn't go back to him and say, I'm sorry. If I didn't humble myself and go back to him and say, I, that was a hill I should have never tried to climb. I messed up. And he does the same for me. If we don't continually walk out forgiveness towards one another and towards the people in our lives, we will, we will relapse. Marriages will fall apart. Amen? So if we continue to have an issue and we continue to go around the same mountain, what's going to happen to us? Our marriage is going to break apart. I'm being very real and very open with you this morning. And and also then what does the enemy like to do? What are you doing getting up on that stage holding that microphone? Why are you thinking you can do that? Why do you think you, who do you think you are? You messed up yesterday and he rubs it in. He's a liar. Who said that? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and this step is about maintaining our momentum in recovery. So what I could do is I could go hide out and say, I am a horrible, rotten, no good person. And just keep bashing myself and keep defeating myself. Or I can step out of that and say, I'm forgiven. We've, we've walked it out. We maybe will have another conversation later today, but hopefully not like the one last night. Because I am a little bit more in, in a better headspace today. But it's, it's being active, proactive when I mess up, and recognizing when a relapse is coming. So what is relapse? Falling back into a self-defeating pattern. The person struggling with alcohol goes back into a bar. The person struggling with gambling goes back into a casino. A workaholic fills up his, his or her schedule again. When relying on our own strength, this right here is it. When relying on our own strength and willpower, it's easy to slip back into our old hurts, habits, and hang-ups. 
when we're relying on our own strength, right? I've got this. I'm right. He's wrong. Then we slip into old hurts. Well, he hurt me there. He hurt me there. He hurt me there. So I have a right to be hurt now, right? And we, and we slip back in and we relapse. I'm using my, our little fight as an example, but we're talking big things. We put ourselves in compromising situations when relying on our own strength and willpower. And that first step that we talked about is recognizing I'm not God and I need a Savior and I need his power in my life. So how does it happen? Number one, complacency. Getting comfortable with short-term gains, relaxing into where we are and not really moving forward. I've got this. I'm, I'm good. Everything's okay. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe I did that yesterday, but it's all right. I won't do it again. When we should be moving from glory to glory in the Lord. What does that look like? Moving from glory to glory. Complacency is we slowly stop. We pull away from him. We stop reading their Bible. We stop talking to God as much. We don't go to church as often. We lean more on ourselves and other people than we do on the Father, the one who saved us and redeemed us. Confusion. You start rationalizing, saying the problem wasn't that bad. I could have handled it myself. I don't need anyone's help. It's not that big of a deal. And then number three, then it leads to compromise. So we have complacency, where you just kind of get into a habit, kind of relax into your lifestyle, get a little bit stuck, then confusion of, I've got this, it's okay, I'm good. And then compromise comes, going back to the place of temptation. I'm just going to turn on my computer. I know it's late, but that's okay. Or I'm just going to the bar to support a friend. They, they're having a hard time, so I'm just going to sit with them. Or I need to get the job done so my family, I can have money to support my family. So I'm going to work extra and ignore my family and not be there for them just, just today. Oh, wait, i got to do it tomorrow, too. Oh, wait, Thursday, too. Friday, too. We get to compromise what we know are our weaknesses and stepping back into our weaknesses instead of taking our weaknesses to the cross and saying, I need your help. And then finally, catastrophe hits. You give into the old habit, hurt, or hang-up. The hate and resentment return, and life goes back into chaos. This is how a relapse happens. We need to understand the compromise, number three, and catastrophe, number four, are not the relapse. It begins much earlier in the complacency stage. We just slowly let things, isn't there a, a Casting Crown song, It's a Slow Fade? When you slowly stop doing the things you know you need to do to recover and to stay healthy and to stay whole. It starts there. Catastrophe, it doesn't just all of a sudden happen. It's a slow fade. We need to understand that compromise or catastrophe are not the relapse. It begins much earlier. The I can't say that word over and over again. The catastrophe is simply the result of this pattern. So we have two points. The first point is what can cause a relapse, even when we know what's the right thing to do? What can cause a relapse? So number one, reverting to willpower. 
Galatians 3.3. Read this with me. Your new life in the anointed one began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit to trying to finish by your own works? Why would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? My own willpower, my own strength, my own wisdom. We take it all the way back to step one. Step one is accepting I am powerless. Step two is that God has the power to help me. And step three is surrendering to him. Right? Yet after a while, we sometimes begin to think that we're the ones making this happen. Someone comes up to you and says, man, you've, you've really been doing a good job. I can see the change taking place in your life. I can see the joy returning. I can see the peace returning. I can see the confidence returning to who you are. And we begin to think that's right. That's right. I am doing a good job. I am the one making this happen. I am the one making these choices. It's my power. We say, God, Thank you for getting me this far. Good job, Jesus. Way to go. I'll take it from here, though. We may not say it like that, but mentally we think that. I, I have gotten as far as I need to. I'm doing a good job, and I let the things that got me to this place begin to slide. I start neglecting my time in his presence every day. I, I neglect reading his word. I neglect being honest with my accountability partner and my spouse in my relationships. I start becoming complacent. I start beginning to compromise. I think I'm the one doing it. Let me tell you something, it does not work. That is the greatest deception of the enemy is thinking, if you eat this fruit, you your eyes will be open. You'll become like God. You don't need him. Deception day one. And it's still that deception today. You can do it. You don't need him. I don't know. It is the Holy Spirit. This verse has been quoted multiple times already this morning, and no one even knew it was in the notes. Zechariah 4, 6. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit, denying ourselves, and picking up our cross on a daily basis is the only way to live in true freedom. Denying ourselves, Jesus said it, take up your cross daily and follow me. And that means sacrifice. That means denying our flesh and submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit. But know something, God, God is not a forceful father. God does not force himself upon you. It takes our surrender to the Holy Spirit to truly walk out true freedom. He's not going to force himself. He's not going to force his power on you. So uh, part one, reverting to willpower and how can a relapse happen. Number two, ignoring one of the steps. We're on step seven today. We get in a hurry and we think we can ignore a step because maybe it's difficult. Like last week, 
It's easy to offer forgiveness to someone who hurt us, but us going to someone and saying, I know what I did. I know how I hurt you, and I'm sorry for that, making amends. Often we think, ah, we don't need to do that. That really isn't necessary for me. Maybe we think we don't need it. Maybe we think we're good without, you know, a few of these. But, but knowing something, these steps are 100% biblical. They are out of Scripture, and they are in the order they are in intentionally, in neglecting to follow what the Word says, in thinking we either don't need it or we don't do it because it may be a little uncomfortable and stretch us out of our comfort zones. It will cause long-term effects. So we cannot ignore these steps. As a whole, they help guide us into freedom. Number three, trying to recover without support. This is me, okay? I'll be real with you. I'm more of an introverted personality, and uh, there are some times I am, I am good by myself. Um, so... I'll just get well by myself. I don't need anyone's help. You're asking for a relapse. If that is our mentality, if we feel like we can just do this on our own. Two people are better off than one, Ecclesiastes 4. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Read that again. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We cannot solve our problems by ourselves. Rick Warren says, if you could have, you would have. But you can't, so you won't. We were designed for relationship. The whole premise of Celebrate Recovery is community. It's bearing one another's burdens. It's confessing your faults one to another and praying for each other so that you may be healed. We cannot neglect the value of community. We cannot neglect the value of picking up the phone, no matter how heavy it is in the moment, and saying, I need help. Saying, I'm struggling. And letting someone else be there with you encouraging you, supporting you, praying for you, saying, all right, it's three o'clock in the morning. I don't care. I'm coming right now. I'm coming over right now. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, Hebrews 10.25, as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. We all need somebody to lean on. Yes. They didn't know that was biblical when they wrote that song. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. Maybe they did. But how true is it? It's straight out of Scripture. This is not the time to pull away and stop meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. Put down the pride. Because that is what keeps us from moving in honesty in our relationships. It's our pride. It gets in the way. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. 
You can do these steps in, alone and see short-term effects. There is some benefit if you want to do them alone, but long-term recovery requires relationship. We said it last week, the root of your problem is relational. And so long-term freedom, you need accountability, you need community, you need friendship, you need companionship. It's kind of like driving a car at 70 miles an hour and taking your hands off the wheel. Are you going to crash immediately? No. But you will shortly nosedive into the guardrail. It's the same way. Without community and relationship, you can see some short-term effects. But long-term, you're going to crash. You need each other. We need each other. That's why we come together. Denial. We, uh, because denial, we often can't see our own problems. So we need each other to serve as mirrors. That's the power of testimony. That's the power of having Bradley do what he just did today. Because I see part of my story in somebody else. I see part of my struggle in what you're telling me, what you've gone through. We need each other. Number four, we become prideful. We say, I'm strong. I've got this. I've closed the door on my past. I'm good. Check out this verse. Your boast becomes a prophecy of your future failure. When we boast, when we allow our pride to speak for us, it becomes a prophecy of future failure. The higher you lift up yourself in pride, the harder you'll fall in disgrace. Stay humble or you'll stumble. I put this quote on the screen because I couldn't help myself. Rick Warren says, the man who gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. <laughs> pride blinds us from our own weaknesses. Listen, pride blinds us from our own weaknesses. It keeps us from seeking help. It prevents us from making amends with other people. And it causes us to blame others for our issues. Did you hear what pride does? It blinds us to our own weakness, keeps us from seeking help. It prevents us from making amends with other people, and it causes us to blame others for our problems. It's like the guy that goes to a psychiatrist, and he says, I, I've got a problem, I think. And the psychiatrist says, I'm going to hold up some pictures, and you tell me what they are, and from what you say, I'm going to define for you what your problem is. And so the guy holds, the psychiatrist holds up a picture of a square, and the guy says, I see an apartment window, and inside there's a couple making love. The psychiatrist holds up a circle. The man says, I see a beautiful white beach, and this is a beach umbrella, and underneath there's a couple making love. Does anyone know, not know what making love means? Because you'll miss the whole point of this if not. <laughs> he, the psychiatrist holds up a third picture of a triangle. And the guy says, it's a beautiful Indian reservation. And this is an Indian teepee. And inside, there's a couple making love. The, the psychiatrist stops and says, we don't need to go any further. I know what your problem is. You are obsessed with sex. And the guy looks at the psychiatrist and says, 
me obsessed with sex. You're the one showing me all these dirty pictures. <laughs> it's not my problem. You're the one with the problem. And we shift the blame onto somebody else. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, so beware if you think it could never happen to you lest your pride becomes your downfall. The secret to lasting recovery is living in complete humility. It's being humble. Hum humble in my own abilities, but fully confident in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your greatest weakness, this is so good. Your greatest weakness is sometimes an unguarded strength. We say things like, my marriage will never fall apart. And at the time, your marriage is very, very strong. But it's unguarded. We say, I could, I'd never get addicted to anything. I'm good. Watch out. We say, I, I, I could never spend that much time staring at my phone. If you want to know how much time you spend on your phone, bring it to me after the service. There's a really cool feature in the settings of your phone that shows you exactly how much time you spent on it and what apps you've spent the most time on. Believe me, it's revealing. I don't look at it very often. <laughs> your greatest weakness is often an unguarded strength. So beware if you think it could never happen to you. Because our pride is what causes our downfall. Stay humble and daily ask, daily ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Amen, amen. So step two, part two of this message is how to then prevent a relapse. We've heard how it happens, what causes it. But now how do we prevent it? We say we're free in Christ, free indeed. What does that look like? How do we walk that out? The word recovery today, we are on the letter R, the last R of the word recovery, and this R stands for reserve. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and gain the power to do it. I love this step. I'm giving you your maintenance belt. You know, when you're a maintenance guy and you're going in, you have your tool belt, you have your whatever you carry in, your, your toolbox. Today, this message is giving you, I'm giving you your toolbox, okay? And I love this because it says spending time with God, examining self, spending time in his word, praying and talking to him in order to know God's will, for my life, and to know him fully. Amen? I love that. So we're not doing it just so that we can be better people and we're good people. We're doing it so that we can get to know our Father in heaven and we can know his will for our life. He never wants us to walk in confusion as to who we are and what he has for us to do. He doesn't want us to stand in a place of confusion. He wants us to know what, what comes tomorrow. He wants us to know what he has for us to do. And so in order to prevent a relapse, we have to stay in a place of momentum, maintaining momentum, moving forward, amen, from glory to glory. Keep watch and pray. 
So that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Mark 14, 38. What is the suggestion of Jesus to us when we're feeling weak? Keep watch and pray. Examine yourself and go to prayer. And I want to say one thing that's not in the notes not only do we need to spend time with our Father, but we, we need to recognize who we are as daughters and sons. So we spend time with him to get to know who he says I am. Who does he say you are? And if you don't know that, then you will get lost. Relapse will happen, but you have to know you are a daughter and a son of the king. Amen? Three maintenance tools that I'm going to give you for your tool belt to help you maintain your recovery. And I think this proves the point that we are all in a place of recovery. Rick Warren says that there are two different kinds of people, those who are in recovery and those who don't know they need to be in recovery. Okay. Step one, tool one, evaluation. Instead, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord, Lamentations 3.40. Let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. This is probably a hard thing to do for most of us. We just, life is so busy. We've got to keep going. We've got, we don't have time. We don't have time for this. It's too, it's too crazy. But it, they're saying, the word of God is saying, we need to test and examine our ways. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we saying what we're saying? So what do we need to evaluate on a daily basis? Physically, we need to say, well, what is my body telling me? Your body is a barometer for what is going on inside of you. We've talked about this in the previous steps. When unforgiveness and things get hauled up inside of us, bitterness comes, and it, and it manifests in our physical health, yeah? We've experienced that. How many of you experience tension in your shoulders and headaches? migraines. Our body is telling us something. Maybe you're not eating the right way because you're too busy and you're going at too high of a speed and you're not giving yourself enough time. And guess what? A relapse is bound to happen when you're not taking care of your physical body because you get tired and you get weak. So we have to look at saying, what is my body telling me? That means we should all go get massages. I think that is a great plan. I am in. Now, it means we take time to rest. Jesus modeled rest in his ministry. He went back up to the mountain and got with the Lord and rested with him. And God, what did he do the, in creation when he created us? The seventh day he rested. So we have to take time to examine what's happening in my physical body. Why am I feeling heartburn 24-7? What is this pain? And examine what our bodies are telling us. Emotionally, what am I feeling right now? Am I allowing my real feelings to surface? Check your heart. H stands for hurting. E stands for exhausted. A stands for angry. R stands for resentment. T stands for tense. What is my heart saying? And so often we just push past our emotions, and we just, oh, I'm just being emotional, or oh, I don't have time for this, or oh, I, I don't want to take time for this. And in order to 
maintain our momentum in recovery, we have to make sure we're recognizing why was I angry at that person on the road driving next to me who I don't even know and didn't do a darn thing to me. Anybody ever do that? Why was I snippy with my boss? Why did I react? And I need to check my emotions. What is happening inside of me that I feel like I'm going to burst into tears? I know all you men, that's exactly what you think every single day. But you know what I think is beautiful? God created us all with emotions. So often, men stuff and silence their emotions because I'm a man. And there is time for strength and courage and manliness. But there's also nothing more manly than a man that can walk to the foot of the cross and lay down his burdens and weep and cry out to God and give over everything to him. I like that deep voice, amen. And women, there is nothing more beautiful than a woman who can take her emotions to the Father and say, Lord, I need your help with these because man sometimes... They're overpowering, and I can't see straight, and I don't know why this is happening. We have to surrender our emotions no matter what, and sometimes the enemy can be like, oh, you're just, just let it go. Just keep going. You're just emotional. No, why am I, what is happening here? Because I'm resenting someone, or I'm, this anger is manifesting, and I need to figure out what is happening. And then relational. When we evaluate ourselves, we need to evaluate ourselves physically, emotionally, and relationally. Am I at peace with everyone? Internal conflict will hold us back. There are some people you let live rent-free in your mind. Someone hurts you 10 years ago, lives 1,000 miles away, and you wake up thinking about them. I have never done that before. Mm -mm. Spiritually, am I relying on God moment by moment? When you do an inventory, you sit down with these four things. Okay, how am I doing physically? Well, my body is really, I'm in pain all day, every day. Okay, what do I need to do? Emotionally, I'm, I'm actually doing okay emotionally. Relationally, well, I kind of offended that person, so I need to go to them. So we're examining, we're evaluating how we're doing. It doesn't mean that you look at yourself and say, oh, I'm a no good, horrible, very bad person every single time you sit down. No, you're recognizing, okay, this is where I'm growing in Jesus, right? This is where I, you got you can't, I love the inventory because when we're taking an inventory of ourselves, you can focus so much on the bad and they're saying, no, you need to weigh with the good. You can't constantly be looking at this is what I'm doing wrong and that is what I'm doing wrong. No, this is where God is setting me free. And in this, in this encounter, I didn't fight. I didn't get angry. I didn't react. Praise God for that in him in me. And him helping me with my relationships, him helping me with my emotions. And then you, that's, that's where it says celebrate the small things, the small victories. Make sure you're celebrating and saying, yes, Jesus, you and me, we did that. And I was able to love that person even though they hurt me and they slapped me in the face. I was able to turn the other cheek. Galatians 6.4 says, let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. And their joy will be doing what's right and being themselves and not being affirmed by others. Whoa. Their joy will be in doing what's right 
being themselves and not being affirmed by others. So it truly, your affirmation has to come from who? Your Father in heaven. Amen? So when should I do this evaluation? It's like a house cleaning. How many of you pick up your house or spot check your house on a daily basis? You go around and, oh, those shoes need to be put away. Oh, that towel needs to be hung up. Oh, that blanket needs to be folded. So on a daily basis, we need to be spot checking our hearts. Oh, man, I reacted badly there. I need to check what is going on. Or I, I hurt that person with my words. I need to go back and apologize. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a spot check throughout every day. And then at the end of every day, Rick Warren suggests doing a daily review. So like that's like going around your house and picking up after yourself and your children. Oh, man. So putting the toys away, cleaning up after the dishes, putting things away. And that's you looking at yourself and saying, how did this day go? How did I make it through the day? Was I leaning on the Holy Spirit? Did I hear his voice? I'm not just talking about doing the right things. We can get so caught up in trying to be good and miss the Father's voice and be trying to fulfill the law. We get stuck and we're not receiving grace. We can't do that. But daily we need to review our day and say, okay, this is where God moved in my life and I didn't react the way that I used to, right? And then at night, I'm sorry, and then an annual checkup. And Rick Warren says he goes away for a day to do a moral inventory to review his life. I don't think I've ever done that. And I think that's an amazing idea. So it's to take a moral inventory and it's to go along with the Father and say, Father, how am I doing? Where do I need to be forgiven? Where do you need to work on me? And also, God, thank you for what you are doing in me and spending time alone with the Father and evaluating where you are. A moral inventory to review your life. And that's like a spring cleaning of the house where you do a deep, deep clean. Every house needs it. Every heart needs it. Yeah? One person agreed with me. Yes? Are you guys awake? We're almost done. If you don't allow yourself time to do self-care or maintenance, you will end up emotionally in chaos. It's bound to happen. Just like if you didn't pick up after your house every day, by the end of the week, the dishes are piled sky high, the laundry is out of control, and there are toys everywhere and crumbs and all the other things. But if we do that daily spot check and we review how our day went, we won't be emotionally imploding by the end of the week. Number two, in this how do we not relapse, in this maintenance step, we need to meditate on the word of God. What did Jesus do in the desert when he was tempted by the enemy? How did he counter those attacks? He, he, he countered them with scripture. And so much of what we need and the power we need is in the word of God, the very words of God. And so whenever you are encountering anything, we need to be meditating on his word, knowing what he says about us and about him and speaking those things, chewing on those things. I'm not talking about 
ancient meditation where you sit and you empty yourself of all the things. I love biblical meditation because, yes, you do need to sit in a quiet place. You do need to rest, but you need to be filled with the Word of God. And not just the Scripture, but the rhema Word of God, the hearing of His voice, the hearing of His Word. When He's speaking to you and He's saying, this is who I say you are. This is what I have for you. We need to be meditating daily on Him. And his love for us. You see, this can sound so much like we have a mean God up, up in heaven who's just trying to get us to do the right things. No, he is a God that loves us with an everlasting, overwhelming love, a reckless love that wants us to walk free and walk in our identity. And when we sit with him and we maintain momentum with him by hearing his voice, by reading his word and meditating on those words, instead of meditating on a negative thought, instead of worrying, how many of us? practice worry every single day. And he's asking us, I, want, I don't want you to practice worry. I want you to practice my word. I want you to practice my heart. I want you to speak over yourself how I see you. That was nothing in the notes. Okay, here we go. Number three, prayer. Which kind of goes with number two in meditating because when you're meditating on his word and you're listening to his voice, you're talking to him, you're in relationship with him. And these three things, evaluating where you are, recognizing, admitting where you are, stop trying to play God in your own life and recognize where you are and taking it to the Lord and meditating on his truth, his truth, the truth, amen? And then we go to him in conversation. He is a God who loves relationship. He created Adam and Eve in the garden for relationship. When we isolate, when we push him away, we are missing a part of ourselves. Prayer is how you plug in to God's power. Matthew 6, 8 through 14, we talked about this Wednesday night, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us a model prayer this is not a ritual prayer. You don't just pray this every day, but this is how you pray. Verse 9 says, this then is how you pray. Circle that in your Bible. How should I pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those, I'm sorry, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others, people when, other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And kind of leave that last line that Jesus said out a lot. But this is how we should pray. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's divided up into the eight steps. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I realize I'm not God. It's step one and step two walking out of denial. When you're praying, our Father who art in heaven, I'm recognizing who has me, who is in control, who loves me. I'm stepping out of, out of the place of trying to control and recognizing I have a heavenly Father who loves me, who's in charge. Your kingdom come, your will be done is step five on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread is step three. And forgive us our debts is step four. And as we forgive, have also forgiven our debtors, step six, what we did last week. And lead us not into temptation, that's step seven. 
But deliver us, that's our step today, from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, we didn't invent recovery. Jesus walks us through it. He lays out our plan to stay healthy and whole and to stay in our identity. And it's recognizing above all else, who is Lord of my life? Am I playing God or is he Lord over who he has created me to be? And what I, what I love about this step, this maintenance step, is it's not a have to. I don't have to do this. I get to be in his presence. I get to, to sit with him. I get to invite him into my living room in the morning and, and hear from heaven. It's an invitation into a relationship so that we don't go back to the past. So we don't try and repeat the past or we don't repeat the past whether we're trying to or not. Sometimes we just do because we're not focused on him. We're focused on us and what we can do. And he wants to refresh you in his presence. He wants to restore you so when you pray, when you meditate, when you evaluate, you're doing all of those things to allow him in to help you get free. Amen. Will you stand? As we close with this time of worship, I want you to spend time, and this is one thing I didn't say yet in the meditation, is taking a five-minute vacation. Add this to your meditating. Take a five-minute vacation as often as you possibly can, and I want you to just sit in the presence of the Lord and let his love wash over you like you're in the ocean and the waves are washing over you. This has been a game changer for me. So often we focus on what we have to do and how I have to fix it. And what he wants us to do is step into his presence and receive his love and let it wash over us. Amen.